our latest series of the Reach Next Generation podcast. I'm Grace Jeffries, and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they've faced throughout their careers, how they became them, and what tips they for girls of my age. Today, my guest is Becky Cund, who is Head of HR Operations and Sustainable People Projects at St. Modwen Properties, PLC one of the UK's largest construction and infrastructure companies. St. Modwen has also kindly added their support to our forthcoming summit. Thanks for joining me today, Becky. Can we start by you telling us all how your career took you to the role you have today? Yeah, sure. So um, when I when I started at, at school, I was always very, very keen on sort of humanities subjects. So um, sort of getting into high school, thinking about um, the types of things that interested me, much more around history, English, that that sort of thing, as opposed to sort of maths and, and, and science, of which, if I'm, if I'm really honest with you, um, really sort of struggled with um, in terms of how I how I think. So um, what I was thinking about was how could I make a difference with the types of subjects that that I wanted to do? Um, And initially uh, I wanted to teach. That was my first kind of dream. So that that was my well, actually, that's a fib. My first dream when I was at primary school was I wanted to be a shoe shop lady. But uh, (laughs) I just buy I just buy them now as opposed to uh, to working in them. But my first real dream, if you like, was to was to work as a PE teacher. That's what I wanted to do. Um, And that was because I enjoyed PE immensely. I also enjoyed interacting with people. um, And I also did lots of sport outside of school as well. However, um, as I sort of started going through my sort of school career, doing different subjects, started to think about other things that I might be interested in. Um, and by the time I left school, was sort of thinking about working in sort of businesses in perhaps sort of similar role to, to, to what I do now. I knew I liked people. I didn't really know what HR was, but I thought, what, what sort of roles can I do to, to work with people? So because I wasn't specifically sure, I decided to do a business degree. So I went to Aston University and I studied business administration with public policy and management. And I picked the course specifically with a placement year. And one of the things you said, Grace, at the beginning in your in your intro was, you know, hints and tips, if you like, for for girls your age in terms of getting into the workplace. And that placement year, getting a year's work experience while studying my degree was absolutely critical in helping shape the direction of travel that I took, but also having something to put on a CV. You know, when I got to the end of my degree, when I was being interviewed for graduate programmes, I'd got some real life work experience in real businesses. So so, so that was hugely helpful. Um, I then joined the Marks and Spencer graduate programme at the end of um, end of my degree and um, started off in operations. So um, went and did their fast track grad program, which was nine months of learning all about the different parts of the business. And then I was put into a role um, where I was looking after a multi-million pound apartment with lots of members of staff reporting to me, took on lots of responsibility very, very quickly. But ultimately, the thing that really, really, really interested me was the people. And what happened at M&S was we centralised our, our HR um, team and they put the responsibility with the line manager and by this time I was running a store nine million pound turnover store with about 100, 100 employees and it was that that really really sparked an interest in me yeah. so I moved into 
external recruitment for 18 months to get my foot in the door before then moving into an internal recruitment role, which has then led me to have lots and lots of opportunities working with people and within HR, which is how I've ended up really where I am today. Yeah. So you definitely sounded like you've had not a completely varied career, but definitely a fairly varied career in which you've kind of dipped into all the different places that I guess you're working in now. Yeah, and I, and I think, I guess, to, get to pluck out another little hint or tip, if you like, what I think makes me a, a good HR person, why I think my line managers that I work with and, and support appreciate my in, input is because I have got experience of running an operational business. So when I worked at M&S and I was, you know, in a store management role, I had to think about everything. I had to think about the customers. I had to think about the deliveries. I had to think about the employees. I had to think about the facilities. I had to think about opening times, closing times, all those sorts of things that impact people decisions. And actually, I really valued having that. I think about four years I did um, did sort of various roles at Marks and Spencer for. And I think it gave me a really good sort of operational head. So when someone comes to me and says, oh, I've got this situation, I need some help with my employee, I can put more of an operational lens on it rather than it just being, oh, well, this is what HR says we should do. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned that you went to Aston University. But um, how important do you think it actually is to go to university with apprenticeship, graduate schemes, all the different kind of opportunities that you can find without actually having to go to university? I couldn't agree with you more. And actually, so uh, probably what, five years ago, four or five years ago, there was a real revival of apprenticeships, maybe maybe a little bit long, maybe, maybe seven or eight years ago. There's been a real revival of apprenticeships when I finished school. People either got a job or went to university. Very few people actually went into apprenticeships when, when I when I first left school, um, which I think is a crying shame, actually. But the way that apprenticeships have now been redone, rebranded so that people are proud to be an apprentice, I think is absolutely fantastic. Mm. And actually, looking back now, um, if I was coming out of school now, the choices that you've got in terms of you know, expanding your education, either via apprenticeships, via university is still a great route, absolutely, um, or into sort of a, a direct employment role. I think you've got so much more choice now. And yes. apprenticeships by employers are now deemed as as good as, and do you know what, in some cases better than, than a degree. And the reason that is, is that whilst you're doing your apprenticeship, you're learning and you're working at the same time, which was kind of what I tried to do with my placement year at uni. But I think it's so, so valuable. So um, I mentioned when you and I were talking at, at the very beginning um, before we pressed record, I've got a 10 year old son um, and I've just adopted an 18 month old boy. And for both of them, you know, even now I talk to my 10 year old about what he wants to be when he grows up. And I talk to him about apprenticeships, but I also talk to him about how much fun I had at university. So I think whatever floats your boat either option either route I think is a is a really really good one well you just mentioned your two sons and I have to ask you definitely sound like you have quite a busy job sometimes quite um, a very important role in the company that you are in how do you say make sure that you have a clear work and life balance between both your family and the job that you have 
it's a challenge and, I, and I'm not I'm not going to lie. Um, it's it's very, very difficult, although I make it difficult, I guess, for myself because I love I love what I do. So yes. I absolutely love my job. I'm hugely passionate about what I do, but I'm hugely passionate about St. Modwin as well and, and, and what the organisation stands for. But equally, I'm super proud to be a mom as well. Um, hence, you know, what, what we've done um, recently in, in adopting a, another child. I love being a mom. Um, but equally, you know, I remember when I first, when when my son, my eldest son Tom, when he first started school, um, I was always introduced as, oh, this is Tom's mum. Like I'm not Tom's mum, but I am Tom's mum, but I'm Becky. And it's really important for me to have that identity that is that is Becky the professional, but also I am Tom and James's mum. You know, that 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 is a really, really important role. What has been hugely important to me about being able to have that split between work and home um, is working for a company that, that understands that as well and understands the importance of that. Um, but also actually having a really supportive partner. So I'm in a situation where it's me that, that I'm the main breadwinner in our in our household. So my husband's a firefighter. He works shifts. So he and he has done the whole time that we've had children. So he's actually done an awful lot of the childcare as well as me. So we've almost done what you would you would say almost reverse those traditional roles, which I think is so important. And so many more women are doing that now. Definitely. Now, there is a lot of talk about pay equality quite generally. Um, how well do you think that women are catching up with men's salaries and getting those top jobs, especially in construction and property companies? So I think it's still a massive challenge. Um, so just last week, I attended um, the CIOB um, uh, Trust Institute of Builders um, award ceremony where St Modwin won Best Company for their Equality, Diversity and Inclusion strategy, which was really, really exciting and, and, and we're very, very proud of. Um, but we've still got so far to go. The mm. issue that we've got in our industry specifically, Grace, is that what is in the kind of typical working age at the moment, and I, and I saw it at the awards last week, I was there with another female colleague. We were probably one of about 30 women in a room of probably 700 people, which says already there's, there's still absolutely um, that, gender, that sort of gender um split is not how it should be and actually in our own business in the construction part of our business we've only got about three or four percent female represented there however what you can't do is turn a tide immediately and actually equality diversity and inclusion has been a real focus for a lot of organizations in the last few years but it takes time to make a difference i wrote an article a few months ago about turning the tanker and it's absolutely that it takes time so what I say to businesses, what I say to our business and, and when we're thinking about what we're doing is how do we make a difference? Well, what we need to do is make a difference with our graduate programmes, with our apprenticeship programmes, with our direct entries and really focus on diversifying that intake so that in five, six, seven years time when that intake are, you know, five, six, seven years into their careers, we really are seeing that that massive difference. And then the other thing that we need to be doing as well is thinking about where are the sectors where it's very female dominant. I spent some of my career in the charity sector, extremely female dominant. So how do you switch? How do you switch that? How do you start thinking about what are the transferable skills that you can bring in into the industry? So still a challenge and a lot of companies are still not getting it right. But I think an awful lot more companies know how important it is. Yeah, of course. But talking about 
progression through maybe the years, the world is changing so much, and quite quickly also. Um, what do you think the work for women may look like, say, in 10 years' time? Um, I think what it will look like is 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 much more equal. I think we will see more women in jobs that are, you know, deemed as traditionally um, a, a male environment. I think technology is going to play a huge part in that as well, because I guess a lot of the more traditional roles that maybe women took because they were the ones that stayed at home with their family, like, for example, working in a supermarket. I mean, how many supermarkets now do you see more self-service tills than you see people sat on the checkout? So I, I think women are going to have to start thinking about and very much should start thinking about doing roles that perhaps traditionally we haven't seen women women do. I mean, it's not new, is it? You think back to the war and when all the men went off to fight, the women were at home doing what? the men traditionally were doing so actually as a society when we need to be we're extremely accepting of that definitely now throughout your career have you had say any mentors or have there been anyone that you particularly admire yeah, I have. Do you know what? Throughout my whole career, I've always kind of looked to to, to somebody to to get um, some inspiration from, um, and and that can be that can be different people at different times. I have over the years had sort of when I've done things like leadership programs, I've had specific coaches allocated to me, um, who who some of whom have made a real impact on me. A lady called Hilary Carty stands out. Um, she works in the museum industry. Really inspirational um, lady. She's a black female and a real kind of really stands up there for for women and ethnic minority rights as well. So she was she was particularly inspiring. But also, you know, other people that I've worked with, line managers that I've had in the past who have really sort of taught me little bits and snippets that have now made me the line manager or the colleague that I am today, because I'm not the same as any of those but I've taken little bits from 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 each of them. I remember just before I started my first store management role at Marks and Spencer, my line manager at the time, the regional manager that I was leaving, said, when you go into that store, you're going to notice a lot of problems, but you're not going to get people on your side by telling them about all the problems. Just spend your first two weeks listening, which for someone who loves to talk, Grace, is very difficult. <laughs> but I did. I spent two weeks just listening to what, what the employees thought before we then started talking about making making changes. And then I think to, to my current boss now, Jane, um, she is probably the hardest worker, the most passionate person about their job that I've ever met in my entire life um, and nothing is too much trouble for her where work's concerned so again taking things from from her as well and, and, and every line manager that I've had equally I've met some people over the years that have made me think that's not a person that I want to be as well so I think my advice there is if everybody you work with take something from be it that's brilliant I'm going to do that or be it that's not good and I'm definitely not going to do that <laughs> definitely now the theme of our summit is I can do it is there anything that you say thought you couldn't do that you have managed to do yeah I think um I, I saw this question on there and I thought what's the best example and I think the best example of that that I can give is um, three years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I wasn't even 40. Um, I had a you know seven-year-old son at the time. We were looking to adopt. Obviously, that slowed everything down for obvious mm -hmm. reasons. 
Um, and I was facing a very aggressive cancer, although we caught it, we'd caught it very, very early. And I had to sort of, it, it really made me think about what was important in my life and, and, and what was important. And you know what? It still came out as the same things. It is my family, but it is absolutely my job as well. And people said to me, you're not going to be able to work through chemotherapy. It's going to make you really poorly, et cetera, et cetera. The lady who was my oncologist, um, a, a lady called Dr. Penny, said to me, Becky, I work with professional women all the time. You will be able to work through it and you'll do a good job through it. But you've just got to listen to your body. So I had my operation in December 2019. I started chemotherapy in January um, 2020 and then just moving my cat. And then the uh, and then the pandemic hit and I was having chemotherapy um, during the first lockdown, but also working at the same time and working in HR where we were furloughing people. We went through a redundancy programme. I was having to brief line managers on what to do. And looking back now, if I thought I I don't think I thought I could achieve what I did over that period of time. And I actually think I came out of that a better stronger employee than when I was so I've actually seen it not as a positive I'd never want to go through it never shit on anybody but I think that's probably the best example I can give you definitely now I read that St Modwen is part of women in construction who have the objective of at least uh, 40% of the workforce being female by 2025 do you think you will meet that objective and what barriers do you think you are finding as you try to? Um, I very much hope that we will achieve that um, uh, by 2025. We're already well on our way to doing so. What we've had to do, however, is think about our targets and think realistically. We won't have in the construction part of our business 40% female, but we will have 40% female across the whole entire organisation. So the challenges that I think that we fit, hit the sort of hit there is that we we are finding ourselves in a situation where people think that construction is not an industry for women. So we're really, really trying very, very hard with our early careers programmes to make sure that people know that construction and real estate is is an industry that that women can can work in and you know that's everything from being out on site as a quantity surveyor or working in development in our logistics core or you know it could be working in the offices in HR or in finance so it really is about selling that that story but it is challenging it is challenging to get people to um to, to think about the sector to it's challenging to get people to forget that the sector isn't how it used to be um but but i do i think i think we'll get there well i'm very glad that you do and i'm sure that you'll get over 40 percent by 2025 fingers Fingers crossed (laughs) now finally um do you have any personal or say professional ambitions that you wish to fulfill in the future yeah, I mean, I I I had a um, an, an ambition um, when I was uh, a few years ago to say that I wanted to be in a in a HR director position by the time I was I was I was uh, 35, which I did um, in my last organisation, but it was much smaller than uh, than St. Maltwin. Um Since then, what I it's kind of made me want to do. Apologies, Kate. What it's made me want to do just walking across in front of the screen. Having reflected on 
on that. It's not all about a job time. My ambition is absolutely to continue doing a job that I love, that makes a difference, that is changing the way people do things. If I think about the equality, diversity, inclusion work that we've done, I really feel like we're making a massive, massive difference here. So that's my ambition is to go on and continue doing that. And I hope to have a you know a number of years still left at St Modwin doing that because we've still got an awful lot to do there. But actually to be able to go into another organisation in the future and actually do 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 more good work in, in that way. So from a professional point of view, it's to be happy and to make a difference and to continue to develop and, and grow. More money is always a benefit, Grace. I'm not going to lie to you. So, uh, you know, in the future, that uh, that would be a good thing um, as well. Always, you know, have that ambition to, to 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 earn more money and provide an even better life for, for my family. Um, and then, you know, from a personal perspective, well, the first thing is to, uh, to to achieve my goal of running the Great South Run in two weeks time. So so fingers crossed that uh, that I do that with with my friend. Um, but then when I return to work after adoption leave to continue being able to do both to be, you know, Becky, the mum, but also Becky, Becky, the professional as well. And just finally, and this is a new question for all of our guests this series, um, and that is, if you had to describe yourself, say, in three words, only three, what do you think they would be? Oh, that's a really tough question. Um, I would say tenacious. Okay. I would say ambitious. Um, and I would say passionate. Brilliant. Well, I think that's a really good place to leave off on today's podcast. I really enjoyed chatting with you today, Becky. Thank you so, 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 so much. And I'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they're about to make in their own careers. Keep listening to the Reach Next Generation podcasts as I talk to many more brilliant women. And more details about us and our upcoming summit are at reachnextgeneration.com. And a big thank you to all our partners and sponsors, Ideal Standard, Barclays, St Modwen, Green King and Levi Strauss.